are two sides to every story. There's the mainstream media side, and then there's the truth. You are experiencing the truth. The Bob France Authority on AM 1420. The answer. Hour number two is underway now. It is at 10.09. Thanks for being with us on AM 1420, The Answer. Thanks again to Jim Renacci, former congressman, uh, now current candidate for governor, joined us last half hour. We are waiting our connection with Josh Mandel right now. Josh Mandel uh, really, really was fired up earlier this week. He actually reached out uh, and talked about this with me uh, off the air and uh, said he wanted to come on to talk about the disgraceful uh, treasonous act of, um, of uh, uh, General Milley, General Mark Milley, who... Uh, essentially circumvented the chain of command in the United States military um, and bypassed the President of the United States to consult with enemies, military enemies, and tell them, if our President orders a strike against you guys, I'll give you a call ahead of time to warn him. Now, the obvious the obvious part of that is, you know, <laughs> that's just straight-up treason. The, the secondary part of that is, under what circumstances did he think that the President of the United States might try to fire a nuclear weapon or order a nuclear strike at China in the waning days of his presidency? It was just insane. It was just absurd. And I know uh, Josh Mandel wanted to talk about that. But now, again, with the breaking news, everybody's got reactions to last night's decision or announced decision by Anthony Gonzalez to not run for re-election in Ohio 16. So we're bringing on Senate candidate Josh Mandel to talk about both of those things and maybe a little bit more. Uh, Josh Mandel, thanks so much for the time. I appreciate you coming back on. How are you, sir? Hey, Bob. Always good to be on. Always good to talk to you uh, uh, as well. Thank you so much for that. So you were fired up. I know you were. Uh, in fact, you told me so. You sent me a message talking about what Milley did, General uh, Mark Milley did, in conspiring. Some might say, this is the word that the left loves to use, colluding. Colluding with the Chinese government to usurp the authority of the commander-in-chief of the United States military. Now, personally, I don't think there was any reason whatsoever to do this. There was no hint or uh, any suggestion that President Trump was going to start a nuclear war with the Chinese, for crying out loud, as he uh, as the, the waning days of his presidency wore on. But uh, that's what Mark Milley did anyway. What's your reaction, Josh? I think he should be court-martialed. The, you know, the comparison I made was to a junior Marine or a junior soldier. If a, if a junior Marine or junior soldier would have done the same exact thing with a Chinese soldier they would be court-martialed immediately and most likely spend the rest of their life in a military prison in the brig. And you know, I believe not only does Congress need to do a full investigation of this, but I think under the Uniform Code of Military Justice, Milley should be court-martialed and, and prosecuted. Listen, the Chinese Communist Party, in a multitude of ways, are... They're the enemy, not just of us today, but of our kids and grandkids. And the reason I say that is because while America has, unfortunately, because of our political leaders and media, started to think in terms of 24-hour news cycles, the Chinese think in terms of decades and generations and centuries. And they're, they're thinking out that far. And while the radical Muslims in the Middle East chant death to America, the Chinese Communist Party plans and is executing 
Death to America. And for General Milley, behind the back of his commander-in-chief, to go to the upper echelons of the Chinese military and commit to tipping them off on U.S. military operations is the height of treason. It's the definition of treason. Yeah, I, I would agree. You know a lot more about it than I do as a Marine, uh, but I'll tell you what. Um, you know, I, I remember, and you probably recalled this as well, it's been a few years now, but do you remember the U.S. Navy sailor who um, was, was court-martialed and jailed uh, for posing for pictures inside of the nuclear submarine in which he worked? And he just uh, had some picture, like selfie kind of things that he wanted to send to his family. Look where I am. This is where I work kind of a thing. He was put in prison because that was uh, potentially leaking classified nuclear information uh, to, to, you know, civilians by sending those photographs. Here's a general telling uh, our enemies, talk about leaking information, talking about potentially present, telling our, our, our enemies, the Communist Chinese Party, that if a nuclear strike is imminent, we will tell you. So that what? What's Mark Milley's goal there, Josh Mandel? So that you can strike first, so that you can so that you can sound the alarms. So that you, what's the purpose of saying if if we're going to do anything to you, I'll give you some heads up on it. it? To me, it puts more American lives in danger than this sailor posing for pictures inside his place of work. Uh, you, you hit the nail on the head. Uh, Millie's point is to help the Chinese against America, and uh, I don't think it's more complicated than that. And he, along with the deep state, along with the Reiner Republicans, along with the media, as long as Donald Trump was the commander-in-chief of the military, as long as he was president of the United States, all of those groups, Millie, deep state, Clapper, the, the entire CNN crew, all of the mainstream media, and a lot of the Republican establishment, they wanted Trump to fail, and they were willing to bring down America to get their satisfaction in seeing Trump fail. And it's vile, it's disgusting, and it's anti-American. And listen, these guys like Milley and others, for them, it's all about getting invited to the cocktail parties. It's all about being liked in Washington, D.C. And the cause du jour, when Millie was doing this stuff, to be liked was to be anti-Donald Trump. And by being anti-Donald Trump, they were being anti-American. Millie was trying just to bring hit, down the country. You just hit it on the head, Josh. That was my next question for you, and I apologize for stepping on you there. But I, I was going to say, do you believe that Mark Milley likes much less loves this country and i say that because not only of this situation and we know a lot of that was driven by his hatred for trump but this is a guy who insists on wokeness in the military he insists on uh military personnel reading books that trash america as being systemically racist as being uh you know uh, uh oppressive to minorities uh, he insists on pronouns being used for transgender uh members of the military uh, and, and all kinds of other things that quite frankly just lead to an impression that he doesn't like the way this country runs how it was founded what it operates and i know that sounds crazy he's the he's the chairman of the joint chiefs of staff for crying out loud one would think that he loves his country but i think the collective amount of evidence here is that he he didn't just not like donald trump i just don't think he likes what this country is Exactly. I mean, listen, it's it's the Obama worldview. It's the Obama doctrine that Milley was executing to try to bring down America and bring up other countries. I mean, that was 
Listen, if you rewind a little, I believe in my heart of hearts, George Soros had a 16-year plan. Eight years of Barack Obama, eight years of Hillary Clinton, mm-hmm. bring down America and rise up other countries, China included. The only problem is a guy named Donald Trump came in and screwed up their plan. And so what you're seeing right now in the Biden administration, because we all know Biden is not actually running the country. He's mentally and physically unfit. What you're seeing right now is Soros, Obama, Holder, using the millies of the world and others to press the fast forward button because they had a 16-year plan. Donald Trump came in and screwed up the Soros 16-year plan to bring down America, and now they're trying to hit fast forward on everything. And think about it. If you wanted to bring down the U.S. military, what's one of the worst things you do? What's one of the first things you do? You try to convince and brainwash the troops to hate America. And that's exactly what Which Miller's is doing. exactly what he has done in a number of settings. You know, in, in, in that 2020 address to the 2020 class of the National Defense University, he smeared his own country, telling everyone in that class that this country has systemic racism, unconscious bias, struggling with mistreatment, unspoken and unconscious biases, uh, promised to make other military personnel placements according to race to address concerns about equity, uh, all of these things he has just denigrated and, uh, and smeared the United States to, you know, those, those military personnel who are charged with defending her. Josh, I'm going to fast forward here because I've only got two minutes left for you to talk about Anthony Gonzalez. I know that when uh, Anthony Gonzalez voted to impeach President Trump, you were one of the first voices to say he's got to go. And now, apparently, ten months later, he's gone. Your thoughts? That you, you hit it on the head. I mean, I've said from the beginning, ever since Gonzalez voted to impeach Trump, that Gonzalez is a traitor. No room for him in the Republican Party. No room for him in the United States Congress or U.S. government. Uh, ever since he cast that vote, I felt that he was a traitor. He backstabbed Donald Trump. And listen, I, I think what you've seen here is power to the people. The people put so much pressure on him and showed that they uh, hated what he did and they saw saw him as betraying them. And listen, you you got to give incredible credit to Max Miller for projecting strength, project, projecting that Marine Corps never-say-die attitude, for organizing grassroots conservatives all over. And Max muscled out this traitor, Anthony Gonzalez, and uh, yeah, I'm so excited and so pumped to have uh, Max Miller as the congressman from uh, Northeast Ohio. Well, just so you know, Josh, you are in a uh, primary race against a lot of other people for that Senate seat. Max isn't coronated yet. There is still a primary race that's going to be held here. Jonas Schultz is a very strong conservative voice who's going to be a part of that race as well. So uh, let, let's hold off, I think, on declaring a winner. I wouldn't declare a winner in that race any more than I would in your race. Uh, there's still a lot of campaigning left to do, right? There's a lot of campaigning, and uh, you know what I tell my staff is keep your foot on the gas, and even though you're ru- we're running ahead, we run like we're behind. And it's okay to be outspent, but it's not okay to be outworked, and no one's going to outwork me in this campaign for U.S. Senate. JoshMandel.com is the website if anyone wants to help out listening. Again, JoshMandel.com. I am pro-God, pro-gun, pro-Trump. And anti-treason, treasonous uh, generals like Mark Milley. Terrific stuff. Thank you, Josh Mandel. I appreciate it. Thanks, Bob. 
All right, that's Josh Mandel. He is indeed still out in front in the polls in the U.S. Senate race. He brought up Max Miller, and he brought up uh, the uh, uh, 16th uh, congressional race, obviously, which is now wide open because of Anthony Gonzalez's decision not to run for re-election. But Max Miller still has a fight on his hands with Jonah Schultz, and Jonah is on my phone line. He's going to come on next on AM 1420 DS. The free WHK mobile app and listen to your favorite WHK programs or podcasts on the go. It's free in your app store. Okay, 1023. Um, the decision by Anthony Gonzalez to not run for re-election in Ohio 16 announced last night and broken by Jack Windsor at the Ohio Press Network um, made a lot of people smile, myself included. Anybody else who felt like it was a traitorous or treasonous act for him to vote to impeach President Trump without due process, we all smiled. But I doubt anybody was smiling more than Max Miller and Jonah Schultz. They are two Republicans who have been declared uh, primary candidates to try to remove Anthony Gonzalez from office. Uh, so now that he's gone, it is a two-man race, unless there's somebody else I'm not aware of. And Jonah Schultz, one of those two men, joins us now with reaction on AM 1420 The Answer. Jonah, good morning. Good morning, Bob. Another great day to be an American. Amen to that. You know, Jonah, um, Josh Mandel just made a statement to me at the end of our interview and said, boy, Max Miller's going to be a great congressman. Uh, I've seen online since last night a couple of other people say the same thing. Now the coast is clear for Max Miller to be the next uh, congressman in Ohio 16. Uh, nobody seems to be paying a lot of attention to the fact that there's another conservative guy in this race. You're that guy. How do you feel about that? Well, this race has always really been about two things. Number one, defeating Anthony Gonzalez, which we've already accomplished. And, and number two, ending the wealthy, elitist, insider grip on our politics that has dominated our entire political system. But as we have created this movement, you know, you had me back on uh, in, in early February when I first announced, and you, like many others, asked, who's Jonah Schultz? What are you about? And since then, we have created an absolutely massive movement of patriots, a grassroots movement. I've been to 150 events. We are getting yard sign requests on a daily basis. We have a team of people in all six counties knocking doors, making phone calls. And if you're taking the temperature here on the ground, it's very clear who's winning this race, and it's, it's not Max Miller. It's, it's Jonah Schultz. And we are seeing in the district massive support. So we're not going anywhere anytime soon, and, and we expect to continue to grow like we have been for the last seven and a half months. I'm going to bookend, it, bookend this conversation on that, and now let's go to the middle part of the bookends, and let's talk about Gonzalez. Why do you think he made the decision yesterday? Well, I think ultimately he saw the writing on the wall. He saw that no amount of money, uh, no amount of establishment resources could derail uh, the will of the people. It's too strong right now. The people have woken up, right? They saw the impeachment. They saw his amnesty support. They saw his lockdown support. They saw that he votes with AOC 40% of the time. And they said, I'm going to refuse to allow my vote to be bought. And so he was doing some polling. He saw his numbers. He saw that you know, we were doing extremely well in the district that uh, Jonah Schultz was a force to be reckoned with. Uh, and the reality uh, became very clear that there was no pathway to victory for him. So he made a, a, a wise business decision. Um, he, he went down uh, kind of simultaneously saying this isn't about Trump or 
the Republican Party. It's about me and my family, and I want to spend more time with my family. But then basically, you know, describing Donald Trump as a cancer on the Republican Party. Um, what's your real read there? Do you feel like he just doesn't have the intestinal fortitude to battle Donald Trump and Donald Trump supporters? Uh, is that, is that what, what you really think is going on here? Or do you think this is a guy who just was never cut out for politics? Well, I think you're seeing the old GOP fall away. The party of Mitt Romney, of, of Liz Cheney, of Anthony Gonzalez, the, the party of, of the Republicans that, you know, as long as we get a tax cut here or there, we're going to be okay losing our entire culture. We're going to be okay losing every election. We're going to be okay letting big tech take over our lives or our borders uh, become wide open. And Donald Trump exposed that old Republican Party and, and, and the establishment and their, their hatred for really the everyday average American man and woman in this country who wants to wake up and be free to live their life on a day-to-day basis without interference from the government. And so Anthony Gonzalez really found himself in a situation and, and, and other anti-Trump, anti-America first Republicans are finding the same thing where the people have moved on from them because we've, we've seen our eyes have been open to the fact that they are, have, have never stood up for our best interests. They have consistently rolled over to the radical left and, and, and handed away our most precious rights. And so really they ran into the brick wall, not just of Donald Trump, but of the will of the people. And, and that's going to be the reality for a Republicans moving forward as we continue to put and hold them accountable. You know, I'm glad you brought up some of those other things about his voting record with AOC and this and the other, because, you know, I'm sitting here thinking 99% of the reason he's out is because of his vote to impeach President Trump and his vote to do so unconstitutionally and without due process. And and I think uh, uh, the interview I did with him played a large role in that. But... You're right. There's other elements here beyond just that that fateful vote. Uh, he has not been an effective conservative voice for the 16th district. He has indeed been one of those, you know, as you say, Liz Cheney and Mitt Romney type of Republicans, and that's the reason we do need to get those kinds of people out. They're bad for conservatism. They're bad for America, quite frankly, because they take up a very valuable spot that should be occupied by a true conservative. And I hope that is, uh, you know, whether it's you or Max Miller, I hope that is a much more conservative position than we currently have it held. Uh, now by Anthony Gonzalez. So now the other end of the book ends here. I'm going to go back to the race with you and Max Miller. We all know that President Trump endorsed Max Miller. I've asked you about this before, so uh, and I know you're probably sick of hearing that question from other people, but Jonah, what role does that that endorsement of Trump for Miller play in your campaign and your ability to fight through and convince the people of this district that you're still the guy? Well, most people view the President Trump endorsement, as I view it, as, as a perk. It's something that's, that's nice, but it's not the be-all, end-all, because at the end of the day, the voters, we're all going to use our own God-given intellect, our own reason to make our own decisions, and no money or no endorsements are, are going to change that. I mean, this race, we really are, we have to turn our attention to Max Miller, and, and, and we as the people, everyone, all the voters, have to educate themselves, have to research themselves, have to understand look into Max Miller's background, educate themselves on his criminal background, that recent allegations of domestic abuse, his lack of support for medical freedom, refusing to support Hospital 248, and the mega donors that are that are funding him. So we have a lot to look into this race. And like I said, our, our main goal of this race, one of our two main goals, was ending that wealthy, elitist insider grip on our politics. And that includes defeating people like Max Miller, who are just that, wealthy, elitist insiders. Uh, and that's what this race is going to be about and continue to be about. Jonah Schultz is a candidate for the Ohio 16th Congressional District seat. 
Do not think that there is just one name there. A lot of people are doing exactly what I said, what Josh Mandel did at the end of the interview, and crowning uh, Max Miller as the uh, Republican uh, candidate to come out of that primary. But Jonah Schultz is still a big, big part of this. I look forward to talking to you more. I look forward to talking to Max Miller more, and that the people of the 16th make a wise decision and, and realize that they do have a choice between a couple of pretty good guys. And Jonah Schultz, I really appreciate you coming on to talk about that this morning. Thanks for having me on, Bob. And if you haven't yet, go to SchultzForCongress.com. There it is, SchultzForCongress.com. appreciate that. Thank you, Jonah. It's 1030. We'll get our news time out here. And on the other side of the news, Christina Hagen will join us with commentary on all of this and more. AM 1420, The Answer. Authority on AM 1420. The answer. All right, 1037. We continue now and uh, about to bring a voice back onto the airwaves that you haven't heard for a couple of weeks because I have been out for a couple of Fridays uh, for various reasons. Uh, on Friday at this time, we always welcome our former state representative, Christina Hagen, with uh, her commentary on the day's events, usually locally, usually in the state of Ohio, but sometimes going beyond that. Uh, last couple of Fridays, I was away, so she had that time off, but I'm so glad that she is back right now. Christina Hagen, good morning, and thank you for the time. How are you? Bob, I am well, but I've got to tell you, the last two weeks have been pretty active, so I think that the world needed you, needed you to be on air, so I'm glad that we're back and chatting again about current events and what's happening and making sure people are continually up to speed with the heartbreak that's happening in society. Well, I agree, I agree with that wholeheartedly, and, uh, and and I'm glad you're here to be a part of this thing. So shockwaves sent throughout Ohio, certainly through the 16th District, but I think really throughout the state, and maybe beyond that. Um, there were only 10 Republicans in the entire country in the House of Representatives who vote, joined all of the Democrats in voting to impeach Donald Trump on the January 6th, or over the January 6th breach of the Capitol. You know the drill. You know what happened. You know what his argument was. And for the last 10 months, he's been pretty defiant. And, uh, you know, he's not going anywhere, despite the challenges of those who wanted to remove him for that, if not that and more. Last night, again, shockwaves, as he sent a uh, Twitter release uh, or posted a Twitter release saying, I'm out. I want to spend more time with my family. And quite frankly, I think the uh, climate of our politics within the Republican Party means it's time for me to go. How do you react to that? I think this is uh, not immensely shocking to me. Um, the past two candidates that the establishment has backed against me with substantial financial power have served one, maybe two terms, and then left because they realized that when they were representing their values or their desires, that was not a reflection of the region. And so when we shop for people who might have been great football players, might have been excellent football players, but then go and live in Silicon Valley, and bring that mentality back to Northeast Ohio. That is not a reflection of who we are. So this is no longer somebody that represents um, the values of Northeast Ohio. We knew that. We saw that. Um, he understood that when he cast that vote, and he's experienced the backlash because of that vote. I think he's made the right decision to announce that he's not running because there's not a path forward 
uh, for somebody who does not share our values and beliefs in Northeast Ohio. And so I think this is the right move um, because there just is not a victory ahead for somebody who has plagued all of us who support the previous president, who support his administration, who support his policies as toxic in nature. What's toxic are representatives who go to the Capitol on our behalf, who tell us in primaries that they believe in what we believe in, and then they go to their position of power, and then they represent a completely different walk of life. That is what is toxic in politics. And thankfully, we have constituents who are finally awake and paying attention and pushing back. Um, So my reaction is, I've seen this before, and people that are genuinely servant-hearted are going to stay engaged in the midst of the battle when they see something that's wrong. And I, you know, I pray for nothing but blessings for him and his growing family. But the reality is, yes, it is difficult in D.C., um, but it is more easy at home when you reflect home who sent you to D.C. Um, I, I love what you just said about our constituents. Uh, uh, you know, we sometimes wonder, do we have power? Do we have a role? Do we have the ability to affect change? People will say to me all the time, you know, uh, you know, we, we lost this race, we lost that race, uh, they've enacted this law, they've handed down this mandate, et cetera. What can we do? We're powerless. They don't listen to us. I think this proves they do. For 10 months, as you just pointed out, the people um, who have the values that you just laid out, you know, said to Anthony Gonzalez, get out. Get out. We don't want you here. Uh, you don't represent us. You don't represent our values. You don't represent the Constitution. You don't represent the rule of law. You don't represent due process, et cetera, et cetera. And he's gone. I think this is a huge moment that's bigger than just the moment. It's bigger than just Anthony Gonzalez being out. It's a statement and a reminder to everybody who is an activist on behalf of our Constitution and our cause that we can win. We can have a massive impact on the way people in power view things, see things, and what actions they take going forward. I think that's the biggest takeaway here. Absolutely. The public pressure is necessary, and it's a great reminder that people, to people that are in public office that they are not self-employed. They work for the constituents who sent them, and when they no longer are representing what the constituents have asked them to represent, they have no business holding the job. And I think, you know, we see that in D.C., but we're seeing a lot of that in Columbus, Ohio as well. I mean, there is immense desire to see protections for workers, for families in the state of Ohio, and we're seeing a state legislature that's been somewhat stagnant on being responsive to people's personal autonomy, their medical rights, their livelihoods their lives being absolutely turned upside down. They don't know what the right path forward is, yet they've been presented with proposals that would provide protection. And there are people in the state capitol saying, don't listen to your constituents. Well, I've got news for you. Your only job is to listen to your constituents. That is your only job. It is the only reason that you're there. You may not agree with all of your constituents, but it is your job, your duty, and their right to voice their opinion to you about what they believe should be happening. And guess what? They're the ones feeling the pain and the weight of the inaction. So for every family member who has feared losing their job, our elected representatives should feel the same as they do. They should feel the weight of potentially losing their job when they are not responsive, reactive, and representative of the greatest pains and difficulties that our constituents are experiencing. 
We're talking to Christina Hagan, former Ohio State representative, about the Anthony Gonzalez uh, news last night. Let's talk about another couple of issues relating to uh, the state of Ohio, and they're both involving the vaccine. Let's start with the um, governor, excuse me, the um, president's vaccine mandate for all public or excuse me private businesses enterprises that have 100 employees or more they must make sure that all of their employees are vaccinated in order to be in compliance with this directive this directive this executive order what should ohio's response to that be christina hagan and then we'll talk about what the ohio legislature the general assembly's response to this is going to be the response should be heck no state sovereignty. I mean, if we have any path forward as an individual state, we need to define and demand our state sovereignty right now. He has absolutely no um, authority in the Constitution to do what he's doing. Uh, This administration has gone beyond rogue and attacking states' rights. It's gone beyond rogue and attacking private businesses' rights. It's gone beyond rogue and attacking people's personal autonomy. So the answer is simply, no, we will not comply. You will not overrule the private businesses in this state. And this is completely and utterly unconstitutional. We're not going to entertain it. Um, And we need to put protections in state law um, because at the end of the day, this is our state. We need to govern it. We need to be pushing back loudly. And it needs to not be a political walk. It needs to be public policy action happening right now, happening yesterday, happening six months ago and happening every month into the future until we ensure that individuals are protected in this state. Well, that's that's the key here. And and the word protection is is being used two different ways. It seems, you know, they try to say, let's not make COVID, let's not make the vaccine a political issue. But it is, because the word protected can mean two different things. You and I and many others in this state are concerned with protecting Ohioans' rights, and our own decisions and our own ability to make our own decisions on what we do with our bodies, how we, uh, uh, you know, what health plans we undertake, what treatments we undertake, what medicines we agree to take, etc. They're talking about protecting the general public, and they say that they need to protect them from us if we don't get the vaccination. Um, that's a roundabout way of saying, now let's talk about protecting the rights from those uh, who, who seek to take them from us. House Bill 248 has been proposed and co-sponsored by a number of people, which is essentially the anti-discrimination uh, bill when it comes to vaccines and masks, saying you cannot discriminate against. In other words, cancel or uh, ban a student from a campus, a worker from a job, etc., a person from shopping or, or engaging in commerce if they don't wear a mask or if they don't show a proof of vaccine. 248 was going to do all of that. Some of the co-sponsors have pulled out and said, nope, we're not going to be a part of this anymore. And they're now pushing for uh, House Bill 411, which is a watered-down and COVID-specific bill. Uh, the 248, as you know, Christina Hagan, uh, was going to say that, you know, it was trying to cover everything in the future, too. Flu vaccines or flu shots, uh, any right. other future pandemics that come down the line. They're trying to make sure that we set a precedent here. But what they're trying to do now instead is water it down and say, no, we're trying to do something specifically for COVID. And we're going to have to refight this entire fight every time there's another you know, pandemic that they decide is going to be threatening all of our lives again. So um, can you make heads or tails of what's going on in Columbus and why the Republican Party with their super majorities can't get their heads out of their you-know-whats? Yeah, there is an immense amount of pressure from the lobbying communities, from the hospital association. From Big Pharma. I mean, unquestionably, I, I, I flashed back to my time in the legislature fighting for 
personal autonomy, fighting for the rights of Ohio's workers to not be forced and mandated to have the flu vaccine, which had next to no efficacy. And I'll never forget getting out of committee just to have it uh, sent back, rerouted to committee from the Speaker of the House the same afternoon that we finally got it through committee after four years of doing the right thing, providing the right testimony, and the votes no longer could be held back. What we're seeing is a backtrack. They want to be able to say they did something, um, but they don't actually want to correct the problem because if they correct the problem, there's going to be a lot of unhappy IPs that have a much bigger uh, checkbook, that have a much bigger voice than oftentimes individuals individual constituents do. But what I will tell you is this is the moment that as individuals, we need to be vigilant and communicating with our elected representation that we are not going to back down. These are our families. These are our livelihoods. This is our right to make a decision about our personal health decisions. Only we as individuals can know what is right for our children. You know, my child has about 13 allergies. I'm pretty sure that no legislator and no doctor that I've just met for the first time, no person administering a vaccine that might have been trained in the last two months to administer that vaccine has any idea what the ingredients in that vaccine are and whether that would be entirely problematic to my two-year-old son. But they're quickly rolling out um, these approvals against many's will within the FDA. Many people are resigning, top scientists, top researchers and leaders are resigning because they believe the succession of the continual forcing of this is absolutely wrong and coercive, and there is no science or data to back it up. So it's, it's absolutely necessary that that discriminatory measure protects everything because guess what? it's not the flu vaccine, it's going to be the COVID vaccine. And if it's not the COVID vaccine, it's going to be whatever new engineered fear-mongering item they're using to help profit big pharma and take control of our lives. And I, it's not going to get prettier out there, so we have to stand and fight for our rights right now. We do have to stand for our rights right now. And, you know, Christina, everything you've said is so incredibly important. And, again, this is what's so fr- frustrating. Boy, I'll tell you what. I, I, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sound like a giant hypocrite here or a flip-flopper here. I just got done saying you're so right about the power of the people, right? We forced the constituents and those uh, in this state forced uh, Anthony Gonzalez, who I think was a traitor to his country and to his office, out of office now, and we're praising the, the will of the people, but yet we, the people, can't get our own Ohio State legislators to listen to us and do what we want them to do and protect us against not just this mandate and this order and this violation of our privacy and this intimidation of people. People, but all of them to come. So it's it's so bizarre how we feel empowered one moment and feel kind of helpless the next. Well, it, it's like whack-a-mole. You know, if it's not one bad area, it's going to be another. And it's not easy to remain vigilant. It's not easy to stay on top of these issues. We're average Americans with lives. We have bills to pay. We have families to take care of. We have homework to do after school. We have piano lessons, soccer lessons. We have things to get to with our kids. And now we're having, having to defend our rights to govern ours and our children's lives and protect our rights to go to the grocery store like normal human beings or to attend a concert without being um, grilled about whether we've had testing or whether we've received a vaccine. And it's this is crazy. I mean, we're in a crazy time. We're in a time where the federal government is going to double the size of the IRS to govern our personal finances and the banking system. So we need to drop everything that's weighing us down from being vocal 
and be vocal right now, because if we don't, we're not going to have a country where we have these freedoms to be vocal on. And I look at the state government and I just wonder how, how they cannot be responsive. They will be responsive because nobody is immune to public pressure. And it's not, we're not being mean. We're simply standing up for ourselves. We're asking for them to do their job, to protect us, to protect our rights. That's it. That's all. And it's working. Look at our school boards. Look at our parents that are paying attention. Look at the example yeah. of husband, where yeah. the parents saw what was in the curriculum and they fought back. And then they told the mayor and the mayor asked for an immediate resignation of the entire school board or they would be charged. Well, they should not only resign, they should resign and be charged. And parents are the direction changers. If we do not stand up, as employees, even if we do not stand up, then we are going to be steamrolled by both this corporate cancel culture and the federal government and their tyrannical move to make us more like the CCP than the free United States of America. Stated absolutely perfectly. I missed your wisdom and I missed your articulate points about everything that we are dealing with right now. Uh, Christine Hagen, thank you so much for coming back on. We'll make sure that we have you back on again next Friday. Uh, terrific analysis. Thank you so much. God bless you, Bob. Thank God you. God bless you, too. Thank you. Christina Hagen, I, I started putting her on a few months back because I read her on Facebook all the time. She always has some of the most poignant commentary, articulate and perfectly stated, and it, saying some things that perhaps some of us can't say as well. So I said, we got to put her on the radio, too, and I'm glad she's here. All right. Uh, 10.52. Final time out. We'll come back, try to squeeze in a call or two before we're done on AM 1420 The Answer. Ohio's first station is now the answer for Northeast Ohio. We're AM 1420, the answer. Okay, 1055, let's get a couple of of calls in before we're done today. We'll go to Rocky River. Brian has been waiting. You're on AM 1420, the answer. Brian, go right ahead. Yes, uh, we took our oldest daughter to Marks in in North Ridge Road, on uh, Center Ridge Road, I believe. Uh, Yeah, Center Ridge Road. And uh, two weeks later, we took her back <clears throat> because we went on the date of the card. Please, parents, check the date. It was supposed to be three weeks, so she got the two-week shot. I mean, she got the shot in two weeks, took the other daughter the same day, and because she did not have her card, the pharmacist who gave the original shot to the her sister had to make a new card and says, hey, you're a week early. And his cohort, his other pharmacist, made the card out. So she got this. Go ahead. Three weeks. She, the one daughter got it in two weeks. And so, in other words, your point is that they're not tracking very carefully, and it may not be safe necessarily for them to be administering when they don't even know when they're supposed to. Correct. Uh, uh, Miss Hagen brought up the you know be careful who you. It yeah. might be a two week training. Yeah. And bingo, I called, and this is actually wow. this is last Saturday. And that card might follow my daughter this November mm-hmm. on planes, or we're in school too. Right, and she got pretty sick over the weekend, Sunday and Monday. She almost did not go to school, but uh, wow. it is chaotic. And uh, yeah, I, that, well, that's that's you know, it's one thing we were all talking about the efficacy of the actual drugs. And thank you for the call. I appreciate it. Best to you and your daughters, both of them. Um, uh, we're talking about the efficacy and how well it works, and whether or not it actually stops infection or if it just limits symptoms and blah blah blah. 
but we don't talk about the system. We don't talk about the system of tracking who has had it and who hasn't, and whether or not uh, they know what you're supposed to get. That's a very good point, and when you're supposed to get it. It's a great example. Obviously, Christina talked about it, and you just had a real-world world example right there. So there are so many issues with, and if and they're about to be complicated by you know uh, you know another another large factor if they if they mandate these boosters. Because now, are you on one or two or three? You're supposed to get it this week or next week. It's going to be so unbelievably, um, I, I don't know. I don't, I'm running out of adjectives to describe the mess and the chaos. I guess chaotic I'll stick with um, if they require that third booster as well and Biden's vaccine mandate is allowed to stand. Uh, Pete in Illyria, you're on AM 1420, The Answer. Pete, go ahead. Hey, Bob, if Biden or any other president, sleepy, creepy, China basement dwelling Joe can require it, why can't he or a future president require forced abortion or sterilization if you've had more than two children? <laughs> uh, well, uh, that's an interesting. Thank you for the call, Pete. That's an interesting question. You know, there's obviously it's tongue in cheek, and I know your point. Your point is to say they can't control our bodies, and they can't control uh, what we do and what medication we take, and whether or not we chemically castrate ourselves or whether or not we uh, sterilize ourselves. Look. The bottom line is, in this case, there have been 23 GOP attorneys general who have filed law, I'm sorry, who have sent a letter to Biden telling them, telling him, withdraw this executive order slash mandate and we won't sue you in federal court. If we have to sue you in federal court, it is going to, you're going to lose. Because what Pete just said is a great question. What's next? What else can they do? What else can't they do? No court in the land, much less when this gets to the Supreme Court, is going to allow that to happen. And when Biden takes that massive judicial defeat, it'll define his legacy. If they have any concern whatsoever about how they're going to be viewed, that will be it. They're going to fight this. We're all going to fight this. That's it. That's all the time that I've got. I had three great guests today. Thank you so much to them. Thanks so much to our team. Have a safe weekend. Be free. Stay free. We'll see you Monday.